Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junior Wealth Management, and you are listening to MikeOnMoney.com, uh, where every week we uh, we dive into different topics uh, to help you with your personal finances, strategies, and financial planning. This week, we're going to be talking about probably the most boring part or depressing part of financial planning, which is wills, power of attorneys, and representation agreements, which make a big part of plans uh, or protection, protecting your plans, especially when it comes to estate planning. Uh, I'm going to start with the very, very basics, and I'm going to move into the more advanced uh, of when you want to use these, how you want to use these, things to be careful of, uh, and just kind of the overall strategy of how they fit into that. So uh, before we get started, though, just pointing out, I'm not a lawyer, I'm a portfolio manager and advisor. I've had a lot of experience working with partners, so this information from my years of experience and working with uh, lawyers and partners over the years. But as always, anything you're here on here, here on here is for uh, educational uh, purposes. Do your own due diligence, do your own or talk to a professional uh, before implementing any of these strategies to make sure that they fit in uh, appropriate for your situation. As always, you can come visit us at mikeonmoney.com where you can reach us uh, or give us a call, uh, send us an email. We're happy to answer any of your questions on that uh, on that as well. So let's dive into uh, the three main documents uh, that we're going to talk about today. So wills. Obviously, most people are familiar with a will, your last will and testament. So this is uh, who and what you're going to leave uh, your possessions to. Uh, then we also have the power of attorney document. The power of attorney document is almost more powerful than the will, although not less vital. Uh, the will is, is vital, we'll cover that. But the power of attorney, so that's while you're alive. So that's someone you've assigned to be uh, your representative. So they have the power to um, uh, act as you uh, from, from a financial perspective. And of course, the representation agreement, sometimes called a living will, uh, but that's the decision maker to, uh, to your health decisions, right? So uh, anything to do with the hospitals and doctors uh, and, and those, uh, those exist where you assign, it can be the same person as the power attorney, it can be different, uh, but you're gonna assign someone who's going to be able to make medical decisions on your behalf, uh, should you not be able to, uh, to make those. Um, Dependent on what uh, might be might might be going on, so let's start with the will or the first step in all this. Uh, when to have one and why to have one? Well, throughout your lifetime, there's going to be a lot of different reasons uh, why you want to have one. Um, but let's start with the when. So a will deals with every everything that's in your estate, so everything you own, right? So it, uh, it tells the courts, it tells your executor. So you name an executor in there, and, and the executor is the person who's going to exercise that will. So they're going to take it usually to probate court, sometimes not depending on the size of the estate, uh, but they're the ones that are gonna be able to take it to uh, where the money or assets are held and be able to pass those assets or that money on to the beneficiaries. So the people you've named in there um, as to who should get what and, and how much. So uh, first, the first decision you have to make when you're looking at a will is an executor. Uh, but let's go back to the why and when. Well, remember, it's dealing with assets. So when should you have one? Well, when you start to accumulate assets. So uh, as soon as you start to build uh, savings or uh, assets like purchasing a home uh, or you even have a share in a home, perhaps you're a co-owner. Um, 
well worth uh, getting a will at that point. Now, some assets you're going to accumulate early on, you might not need a will. Uh, so for example, uh, RSPs, T tax-free savings account or TFSAs, uh, they both have beneficiary designations. So that means if something happens to you, uh, whoever you named as a beneficiary, it will automatically pass over to them. There's no need for a will. Uh, it, it actually bypasses the will, uh, but that's a whole other, uh, whole other conversation rule we can talk about. But um, so you might not need it right away. So if all you've got as far as assets is some RSPs and some tax-free savings accounts, uh, then you can use your beneficiary de designation to, to bypass. Uh, the other things you might start off with is, for example, if you buy a joint property, uh, so your first home uh, with your partner, uh, and it's in joint with right of survivorship or joint name, usually it's called. Um, that also passes by that joint with right of survivorship status. So it bypasses automatically to the survivor. Not really, you don't really need a will uh, and you don't need to uh, probate uh, those assets. So not always necessary when you first get those, those assets, but as you start to accumulate, it's well worthwhile uh, to, to put the will in place you know, you start to get in cars or you start to have investment accounts outside those tax-free savings account RSPs where you cannot have a beneficiary designation. You can own them in joint. Uh, not everyone does, but you, you can. Um, but you can uh, definitely assign things through your will. And maybe you want to go to some of those assets to go to, you know, kids or, or, or other things, uh, grandkids along the way. So well worth looking at a will when you've got assets to deal with. Something that's going to go through the estate, meaning that uh, if something like were to happen to you, the assets are going to be distributed uh, to one person or multiple people, and it's well worth having a will in place. A real important time to start to get put a will into place as well is when you start a family, because one aspect of the will is to name a guardian. So what happens if something happens to you and your partner or your spouse that, uh, you know, the children uh, who are going to raise the children, uh, that decision is made in the will. So you assign a guardian. Um, you know, obviously the law, just like choosing an executor, uh, you should put a lot of thought into that guardian. It's not always the most um, obvious person. You got to think about, uh, you know, where the kids would be raised, you know, what the household's like, um, as far as really, you go as far as religious beliefs, uh, you know, is that the environment that the school in? Is that is that what you envision for your children? Uh, maybe it's someone else. Uh, I talk to that person. Obviously, you don't want the kids just to be dropped off the door. So a uh, lot of communication with the family when you're preparing your will. Who's going to be the executor? The executor should be someone, uh, and it could be joint executors. You can have more than one. Uh, but it should be someone in the province that you're living in, uh, if you can. Uh, also be cautious of their age. Uh, if you're higher in age uh, and you're naming a friend who's also higher in age, you know, there is some running around to do uh, in processing, uh, probating the will and, uh, and getting all the work done. Maybe they're not up to it. Maybe they are. Uh, but things to consider, uh, you know, obviously someone who's got a little bit of experience um, handling the, these types of matters or, uh, you know, at least a proficient uh, in these types of matters uh, and have the time to do it because it is it is a bit of time to get out there and, and probate the will. So really important to put some thought into that, not just kind of who gets what, that's almost the easier part. Uh, who's gonna be your executor, most important part. Uh, who might look after the family, 
uh, if something happens to both of you at the same time, or you're both injured and, and uh, or one of you is injured and the other one's not, uh, and, and make sure you have those details in there. Also, when you will, uh, you know, consider um, if you're in a second marriage situation and two sets of kids, it gets a lot more complicated. Uh, definitely give us a call uh, if you have any questions about that. There are some simple things you can put in the will to uh, make that uh, streamline better and make it smoother, uh, depending on what you're what you want to achieve. Uh, but that's a more complicated uh, conversation. So let's talk about power of attorneys. Power of attorney is the one while you're still alive. So the power of attorney uh, is the document that says someone else can act as you from a financial perspective. So they can make investment decisions, uh, they can pay bills, they can access cash in your accounts. Uh, and of course, you know, the idea there is if for some reason you're medically unable, whether temporarily uh, or permanently, uh, they, they're able to uh, pay the bills, make choices for you financially uh, in your best interest. So uh, these are, what I mentioned at the beginning, almost more important and sometimes because, you know, from a percentage perspective, uh, more and more people are actually ending up at some point in their life uh, requiring someone to act on their behalf or to have that financial ability. And don't think your spouse is, uh, is automatically a power of attorney because they're not. Uh, if, there's a, if there's accounts and joint names, 100% they can act on your behalf without a power of attorney because those assets are joint. However, if it's solely in your name or they have accounts solely in their name, you cannot act on their behalf, uh, even if all the intent is, is, is good. You're not able to actually transact uh, say in their RSP accounts uh, or withdraw from uh, their personal accounts without that power of attorney document. So well worth having a power of attorney uh, named, you know, it doesn't have to be activated or used on a daily basis. It's there in case of emergency, uh, in case something happens. And even these days, of course, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, if you have a power of attorney, uh, someone was here and you got caught out of country uh, and there was things to be done for you here, uh, they could use that power of attorney to make sure, you know, bills are paid or whatever might have to, you know, access an account to pay a car insurance or a property tax or anything of that sort. They can actually act on your behalf. So, again, a very handy document to have in place. The representation agreement, not as popular with uh, as many people, uh, just from my experience. It is something to consider. Obviously, we're living longer and there are more medical decisions to be made. Uh, the longer we go, uh, you know, health does start to fail a little bit as we move along. So the representation agreement, again, it can be the same person as your power of attorney, it can be the same person as your executor, uh, or it can be someone completely different, but it's someone you're going to name who's going to make final decisions uh, based on your uh, your, your medical requirements. So don't worry uh, if you trip and sprain an ankle, they can't say pull the plug. Obviously, doctors have some say in this matter, uh, but it does come down to, you know, life-saving treatment, DNRs, and, and things like that, that you might want uh, to express your wishes to, obviously, uh, your representation uh, person, your representative, um, you know, what wishes, what measures you want to take in the event of uh, health uh, issues or an accident. Uh, but that person that, that can come in and make those decisions. Now, all these things combine, create part of your estate plan, right? So you have your will that's going to deal with the estate that you might want to transfer on. Uh, you have your power uh, attorney who's going to help you along the way should should you not be able to, and your representation, your representative uh, um, for health 
who's going to be there to, to assist you with those decisions or assist the family to get through those decisions should that be an issue along the way. Now, all these things, they don't expire. You don't have to worry about them. We do recommend you read them about every five years uh, just to make sure nothing's changed that requires an update. Um, you know, you can't just scribble on a will saying, oh, by the way, I bought another house or, you know, uh, sold that car, here's a new car. You, you just can't, you know, they have to be updated properly. Um, you know, you might, your power of attorneys, I mentioned, they might get older, uh, they might move out of province, uh, you know, all things to consider. And when I mentioned out of province, especially out of country, um, you know, we do have different rules by province uh, and we have different rules certainly by countries. So, uh, you know, if your executor or power of attorney is living in the United States, that's really going to complicate things. Uh, if that's your only choice, that's fine. There's, there's ways to, to deal with that, uh, but make sure you're expressing a proper advice around how to do that um, in advance of doing up the documentations. Uh, but if you read them every three to five years, um, everything's, everything's fine. You, you know, there's no up, update to be, uh, to be done. Uh, you know, put them back. You know, a lot of people keep them in the safety deposit boxes. Some people keep them somewhere safe in their files. Um, but do double check them. If there is something that should be updated, definitely go update them. So, you know, if you're reading through them and you've named, uh, uh, you know, guardians for your 28 year old kids, maybe it's time to do an update. Uh, it's, it's time to uh, take a look at the assets because you don't want to cause any confusion down the road. Wills can be challenged in court in uh, certainly here in British Columbia and in Ontario. We have an act called the Wills Variation Act that allows people to challenge your wishes in there. So the clearer you are uh, and the more updated it is, obviously uh, it communicates to the courts. These, these are your current wishes and these are your final wishes. Uh, so less chance of them being modified. Uh, there are ways to protect yourself around that. There's uh, a simple trust you can use called uh, alter ego trust or uh, partners trust uh, if, if it's a couple. Um, if you're over 65, you can use these. Uh, they replace a will, uh, but they basically do the same things, but they're because they're a trust, they're not susceptible to the Wills Variation Act. So there are some things you can do to avoid that. Can also avoid probate. There are fees to probate. So just to touch on that, a lot of people worry about uh, uh, taxes. So you can gift uh, money uh, to beneficiaries in Canada with no taxation. Um, you know, of course, if you sell something to give it to them, you might have capital gains uh, for yourself. Uh, but the money you give to them uh, would be is not taxed. Um, only anything they do with that money, if they grow it further after they get it, uh, they would be taxed on that growth. Um, you also with estates, uh, anything you will to someone either by beneficiary or uh, through your will, uh, no tax once they get it, but your estate would pay any capital gains or final taxes on it. Uh, there is, however, probate fee. So there is a fee for the court to uh, you know, certify that yes, those are the correct beneficiaries. And yes, uh, that's your, your proper will and it is a legal will. A lot of people take a lot of steps to try to avoid probate fees, uh, and in some cases, it's well worth it. Uh, you can save, you know, fifty thousand or hundred thousand. All depends on the, the size of the estate. Uh, but a lot of times, people will go spend twenty-five thousand to save ten thousand dollars in in uh, probate fees. So again, get good, get proper advice. Understand, you know, where the what the savings are of any steps you take. Uh, 
to really offset what the you know what the end cost might be to the estate uh, by going through probate because it's not a it's not an evil thing it's, it's it's not really high tax like you could see in the U.S. depending on your situation down there. So in Canada, pretty easy, uh, but definitely worthwhile having those documents. If you die without a will, um, you, it just doesn't go to you know your spouse, for example. It gets split up between uh, ch children, spouse, sibling. There's an equation uh, that is, that is used. Uh, so definitely have a will in place. Uh, you know, make sure that it goes to who you want. Uh, and, and then again, use those beneficiaries uh, as much as possible because those are efficient ways of doing it as well. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up. I know it's a depressing topic, but uh, springtime seems to be a time everybody turns to estate planning and, and, and these types of topics. So I wanted to cover it off uh, and give you uh, some, some thoughts around that. Uh, do, uh, do give some thought to uh, up reading yours, uh, or if you don't have one in place, get out there and get one. Uh, but with that, thank you, everyone. Again, visit, visit, visit sorry, at mikeonmoney.com where you can find all our other educational videos. Our reminder, Tuesdays at noon, we do a live market update where we cover everything off uh, that happened last week, uh, what's happened this week in the markets. Uh, and also this week, we're going to be talking about ESG or ethical and socially responsible investing and what new things we're seeing uh, develop in that arena. Uh, you can uh, watch our videos. Uh, and also our podcast. You can go to catch us on uh, all the main podcast streaming services. You'll be able to find us on there at mikeonmoney.com. Uh, so with that, thanks for everyone. Talk to you again soon and have yourself a great